must say, when I came to visit, I hadn't pictured us in such an informal setting. Yes, well, from what Master Kenobi tells me, during your tenure as Queen, you became quite familiar with such excursions. One can only survive the rigors of courtly formalities for so long. We are of the same mind. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode! Corruption on the docks of Sundari leads to Mandalorian schoolchildren becoming dreadfully ill! Sophia's Duchess Satine, with help from her fearless friend Padme Amidala, springs into action to search out the cause and bring the cowardly criminals to justice! Hey, troops, it's your old buddy Bucho on my first ever watch of The Clone Wars, and next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of The Clone Wars, he's the waxer to my boil. That's your old pal, Robbie. How's it going, everyone? And we're going to talk about the 45th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. It's Season 3, Episode 5, Corruption. So, Robbie, how about we roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about the episode before you rewatched it this week? Yeah, I didn't remember a whole lot about this episode at all, starting off. I had a feeling that I knew where this was headed, but I wasn't sure how it played out and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about what I thought before because I didn't remember it. Well, we're back on Mandalore in this episode, Robbie, and you know, I'm always happy to be back on Mandalore. I love the way that city looks. And of course, it also means Duchess Satine. And we learn a couple of new things about Satine in this episode, or at least I found a couple of new things that I hadn't known about her before. One of them here is that she's a little bit more ruthless when it comes to using violence than maybe I thought before, because when Satine's guards bring the school superintendent to her, she threatens him with violence. And Padme grabs her by the shoulder and tries to check Satine, but Satine isn't having any of that. Satine's on a mission to find out what she needs to find out, and pacifism be damned in that moment. And it recalled for me the time when Anakin, Windu, and Obi-Wan were prepared to torture Cad Bane. And what was at stake in that case? Again, the safety of children. But another thing we learned about Satine, and this is maybe unintentional on the part of the storytellers, at one point, Satine is sitting with one of the sick kids in the hospital when she's stroking the ailing lad's head, while Dr. Zaz explains to Satine that he has people working on an antidote, but that they'll need time to work on it. And Satine replies right there with an earshot of the kid that she's trying to comfort. that the kids may not have time this kid's sitting there is that what you want to hear when you are I mean when you are lying there sick that (laughs) someone who's comforting you says they may not have time don't you want to tell them especially a kid everything's going to be fine we're doing our best I mean and you know I'm a Satine fan Robbie we've talked about that on previous Mandalore episodes but come on Satine show some tact in your bedside manner please yeah, I was going to say, that's not exactly the best. I don't know. It, it was just a strange a strange scene. It's like, yeah, we're doing everything we can, but yeah, yeah. it's weird. <laughs> right there, sitting amongst all those kids. Yeah, they may not have time. <laughs> we might not be able to save them. I and mean, this is the this is your great leader, you know. this is If anyone's going to reassure you, it's going to be Satine. And it also was, I found it a little bit odd, although this was definitely more intentional, that at the end, Satine orders the warehouse to be burned. And that seemed kind of perverse to me and I was expecting again maybe maybe Padme again would put her hand on Satine's shoulder and say Satine because you know filling that big old dome 
with thick black smoke. I mean, I assume the method to the madness was to destroy the whole lot because she didn't know who she could trust at that stage. And if she just left it lying there and put someone else in charge of it, she didn't know she could trust whoever was put in charge of it at that stage. And so in that moment, she ordered it to be burned. Is that how you read that scene? I thought it was really strange. I thought it was like, that seems excessive to... Let's just burn the whole thing. I don't know. It was a weird... In fact, this whole episode is just, it's just kind of strange, you know? Yeah. I mean, it just seems like they would, I don't know, maybe use some evidence that's in there. Maybe they could backtrack some things. It seems like burning it was just like, I mean, it's not like there was some contagion in there or something that needed to be just eradicated. It just seems strange to, and I didn't even think about the fact, like what you just brought up, the environmental impact (laughs) of the Capitol with uh, a bunch of burning who knows what in there. Yeah, it's um, poison. It was and just released some poison just, into the atmosphere as a team, yeah. into our domed yeah. city. I don't know. And I and I find, and to be clear, I take no pleasure in questioning Satine because, like I said, I'm a Satine fan, but it's just an odd choice on behalf of the storytellers. Yeah, it seemed, it just seemed really excessive to me. And it's, I mean, I kept thinking about, like, is this sending a message? And I was like, no, it's not really sending a message to anybody. What is going on? I mean, it just seemed, it seemed very, not just out of character for Satine, but it just didn't seem like a prudent thing to do. I don't know. It was just strange. Another thing that I thought was strange at first, although maybe I'll drop in what I think might be an explanation here at the end is that in previous episodes, Satine has been almost contemptuous of the way that the Jedis do business and how in a lot of ways the Jedis are at odds with her own values. But all of a sudden, at the end here, she's asking for a Jedi to be sent to Mandalore. And I know you can't and shouldn't and won't answer this, Robbie. So this is kind of a thing <laughs> of me going off on a little bit of a flight of fancy, but my headcanon at the moment, the only logical explanation is that this has to be a ploy to get her bay Obi-Wan back into her life, right? I mean, I know you can't answer that. I'm just going to throw that out there. That's that's immediate. That's where my mind immediately went, and my heart. Yeah, especially, you know, with the uh, revelation in uh, one of the previous episodes with Obi-Wan saying he was willing to throw it all away, you know? Sure. I mean, you never know. You never know, right? Right. But uh, yeah, it's strange though. It's There's a lot of plot points that happen in this episode where it seems to lead you down a certain path and it just doesn't really, I don't know. It, it's, this is, I don't even know. This <laughs> that's, episode how, that's the effect is so, this episode has on you, Robbie. Yeah, it's such a weird one. I mean, did you notice, here's something that I noticed and maybe you noticed this, maybe you didn't. But did you notice that when they go into the little cafeteria place, right? Yep. And they've got all the kids, and they're eating their food and all that stuff. Did you notice that all of them were blonde? I did. Yeah, it seems like Mandalore in general is very, very Caucasian, let's say. Yeah, but it was just, I guess what was strange to me is that, you know, you had talked about before, you know, about Camino and how almost sterile that it seems right. because everything's so white. That's how I felt with this, but it, it for some reason it seemed even colder to me. No, that's a great point because... That's a school cafeteria, right? That's a school. And, I mean, I don't know how long it's been since you went into a school. What's on the walls? Colorful anything. Colorful posters, colorful pictures of the kid, right? Yeah. And this was really just gray and cream and white. <laughs> like it's super, So when you're talking about how sterile it is, yeah, you just reminded me that that cafeteria, that school cafeteria is super sterile. So I think I get where you're coming from on that. Yeah, and it just seemed, to me, this whole episode feels i mean dare i say it like unfinished 
Right. Like, there's some things that are said and talked about that I wouldn't say they completely betray the characters, like Satine all of a sudden being almost, you know, violent. Right. But it almost feels like a first draft. Or maybe maybe this is one of those episodes that they just didn't spend as much time on. I don't know. I mean, at, at, the, at the risk of, you know, being spoilery as far as my rating goes... I just don't understand this episode. <laughs> I mean, it's it didn't land for me well at all. I mean, even the bad guys, you know, the Mugans. Right. There's no subtlety. There's no, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no. As soon as you see that guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he looks like. You know, he's up to no good, right? Just from his face. Yeah. He looks like a friggin' snake. Yeah. And it just, it looks, it's so on the nose. And it just seemed like there wasn't just a whole lot of care put into that. I mean, I liked his, you know, his voice. In fact, I think that's, uh, isn't that D. Bradley Baker that does the voice of the head Mugen? Right. Isn't that what they're called? Yeah. I mean, he kind of snarls and it's just kind of a hissy, you know, and it fits the character. It, it just seemed a little too, like I said, it's just on the nose. Yeah, the messaging in this episode, speaking of being on the nose, felt like some of the most heavy-handed we've come across so far. I mean, I didn't count how many times someone says the word corruption in this episode, but they really hammer it. And it's one of those times that I've really felt the series' limitations when it comes to saying meaningful things about real-world issues. Not because the issue itself wasn't worth addressing, of course more because this particular story is just somewhat inelegantly told and so at several points I really felt more like a lecture than a story but I just want to go back to these Mugans for a sec because I really did dig the design of their smuggler ship it's those sort of insectoid legs and when it lands it does a little walk for a bit to take out the inertia of the landing yeah and another thing I noted design wise here is that Satine's personal bodyguards have a pretty cool looking get up and we've seen them before of course it's kind of a variation on the medieval knight thing that the Senate commando also have going on but Satine's personal bodyguards have this massive wing thing on their helmets like they have a baby stingray stuck to the back of their heads which seems very unwieldy and impractical in operational situations especially when they're out there I mean I mostly noticed it when they were out there sneaking around on the docks and I was thinking if that dude turns around in a hurry he's going to take out Satine's eye you know because that, that massive wing on his head but anyway what did you think of that smuggler ship Robbie and how do you like these personal bodyguard helmets with the stingray stuck on them yeah, I also had a note on that ship. I think it's a cool idea. In fact, uh, you think about the way that, in general, the way that Star Wars designs are, you would think they would be more almost insectoid kind of designed right. things, you know, even in the movies. I think there was one in, uh, I want to say Episode 7, that had, it almost looked like an ATST, right? The Chicken Walker. Okay. But it had those almost like eight legs. So when I saw the design of it, I was like, I kept waiting for it in the movie, and you don't really see them. And I'm not even sure they're in the movie. But anyway, yeah, I really enjoyed that design, though. I thought that was really uh, a neat idea. And it was almost like uh, air brakes or something, you know, but done with legs. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just slows down the, I don't know. I just, I thought it was cool. And the design of those helmets remind me of, uh, like, for some reason, every time I see them, I think of the aliens in Independence Day. Okay, yeah, you right. You know, the ones that are inside? Yeah. He kind of has that same shape. So, for some reason, every time I've seen it, that's what I think of. Even though, you know, Independence Day <laughs> may not be the, uh, I guess, the pinnacle of, of design or anything like that. But I always liked that part of Independence Day. I liked the way the, that the aliens looked. So, it just kind of reminded me of that. 
Yeah, and I mean, if you remember those aliens all these years later, they must have done something right on that movie because one of the goals of design is to make something iconic so that it passes what they call the silhouette test, right? If you just see the thing in silhouette, can you automatically identify it? Right. And if that's the effect it has for you, then then Independence Day was doing something right, Robbie. But I just want to come back now to... (laughs) I mean, it feels like we're hammering her a little bit. But when Satine and Padme found out that the tea drinks were all poisoned... Why do you reckon they didn't send out an emergency bulletin to tell people not to drink that tea? They just headed straight for the docks to carry on their investigation. Even after they had been told by that scientist, yeah, all of these teas are poisoned. They didn't send out any bulletin. They didn't send out any word. Are we just adding this to the list of things that don't make sense in this episode? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and it also, to me, it almost feels like not a whole lot happened in the episode. Right. But there really is. There really a lot happened. But it just wasn't clear. It didn't flow very well. And you're just like, sure. in a lot of the past episodes, there's almost an effortlessness to the storytelling. You go from one place to the next and it feels natural. It feels organic and it just, it works. For some reason, this one didn't seem to land well at all for me. I mean, I remember thinking in the final battle when they're fighting the guys in the warehouse. It's almost like, why was Padme even in this episode? Because she doesn't do a whole lot, does she? I mean, the main thing that they give her to do is to try and rein in Satine a little bit when she starts going violent, but it doesn't work. She's ineffective in that, so... Although i got to admit, I did really like at the end, and (laughs) here's where we're going to our favorite shot of the episode, Robbie. Obviously, every exterior shot of of the Mandalorian capital city of Sunduri was my jam once again. I love that city. But my shot of the episode is after the warehouse is secured and the injured police captain walks over to Satine and remarks to Satine, impressive shooting for a senator. And we cut to Padme, who had been covering some prisoners with her blaster, and she stands upright and turns towards Satine and the captain. And she doesn't say anything, but she just brings the blaster up to shoulder level and she gives a little smile. And it's one of those things that's so... <laughs> it's one of those things that's just so fun. I do enjoy when Padme gets into the action, when Luke and Leia's mom shows her medal. And so <laughs> I know that you're not going to agree and you're going to have a different shot of the episode, which is good, Robbie, because, you know, we don't want to overlap every time. But that's my shot of the episode. What was yours, Robbie? I think my favorite shot was, I mean, it's kind of a boring shot, but it's, again, I apparently like uh, sun rays or, right. I don't know, there's something about that effect. It just looks nice. Uh, it was Almac's office toward the beginning of the of the episode. That was my favorite shot. But something kind of interesting design-wise, did you notice that when Padme and, and Satine are sitting there and they're having dinner, did you notice that all of their food was cube-shaped? I didn't I didn't notice the food this time. I, I remember remarking on the food in the episode with Barris and Ahsoka when they were eating in the mess on the ship during Brain Invaders, but I didn't notice it in this episode. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting uh, little tidbit that I... I mean, it, it's just kind of an interesting thing, but I don't know if you noticed this, but I noticed that they changed outfits Yeah, four times. They went from almost what you would call like casual wear to more refined... I don't know. Evening wear? Not evening wear, but it's like uh, when they're meeting with the different groups of people there. I can't really, don't even know, like the prime minister, not the prime minister. This council that they have, right? They have that council meeting. Right. They're meeting with them. They're wearing one thing. Then they're wearing a different thing. And then they're wearing that again. It's like they switched like four times in between those two outfits. And it was like, I don't understand why, but 
Hey. Hey, that's a lady's prerogative, brother. I guess, I guess, but them both changing to the same outfit that they had on earlier twice. Sure. <laughs> it just seems, it almost seems like there was an editing thing and they said, well, you know what? Let's put this over here instead of having it here. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Or it could just be, hey, it's time for this gown and this outfit or whatever. I don't know. It was just, it just seems strange to me. Something I noticed. Yeah, I think one day we might need to get a guest on the show who has much more of a sense of fashion than the two of us do, Robbie. I mean, we are not the most stylish uh, chaps around, and so we uh, will get a little bit lost talking about this stuff, but maybe one day we'll get someone who knows a bit more about it than we do, and they can talk about Padme and Satine's gown changes. But someone else you just brought up, Prime Minister Almec, he's kind of presented as a stereotypical, ineffective bureaucrat, right? He's well-meaning, but he's always leaning on committees and working groups while the rot continues in the society that he's supposedly administering. And this seems like another character they're using to make a comment on the politics of the situation. And speaking of the rot in the society, the police captain, who I don't think even has a name as far as I could tell. I looked up on Wikipedia and they just refer to him as the police captain. But after Satine and Padme witnessed the bribery on the docks, they report it to the police captain. And he's a real stubborn banter of a dude. And he refuses to believe what the Duchess and the Senator report seeing with their own eyes. And I was having flashbacks to old Chairman Chu Chi. Chu Chi or Chu Choi? Chu Chi? Which one was he? <laughs> chairman Chu. You know, the chairman. Oh, from, yeah, yeah. Uh, Trespass. Right. Chu Chi. Cho Chu. Ah, never mind, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> the troops out there know who I'm talking about. And like the Mandalorians, I'm generally a pretty nonviolent person myself, but just as it was with the chairman in that episode, if you were to ask me to rate on the four star Robbie scale my desire to see Padme spinning back kick this ignorant and obstinate buffoon of a police captain right in the face, I would tell you that's a four, brother. <laughs> but. Then, when he wastes no time dicking those two fools who try to prevent them from entering the warehouse, all of a sudden, I didn't mind him so much. So one thing I did enjoy about this episode was the turn the police captain makes. You think he's going to be one type of guy, and you even suspect, or at least I suspect, that he was part of the corruption. It turns out he's not such a bad guy. He's just a little bit clueless at first. But once he finds out what's up, he chooses the right side. Yeah, I mean, it's... When you're looking at someone who's a leader, do you want somebody who's immediately closed down? No. <laughs> I mean, no, you don't. It's, I'm not saying I would choose him to be my police captain. I'm just saying that initial impression that I had of him, where I wanted Padme to spinning back, kick him in the face, that faded away once he knocked out those two corrupt guards. Right. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I interrupted you again, Robbie. No, that, no. That's, I agree. Well, speaking of things we can agree on, Robbie, let's talk about what we learned from this episode. So what did you learn from corruption? Well, I think uh, especially when you're visiting Mandalore, it may just be safer to drink the water. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Stay away from soft drinks, right? That's a good message actually for the real world as well, for our world. And when it comes to what I learned from corruption, I learned that corruption is bad and not being corrupt is good. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to our summaries and our ratings, Robbie. Where does corruption sit? And of course, if you give this a high rating for corruption, we're not saying that you love corruption. We're saying the episode corruption, where does that sit on the four-star Robbie scale? I mean, honestly, this is probably one of the weakest episodes we've watched so far. I mean, I don't know. That's just my opinion. But I feel like this one's like, I don't know, like a two out of four. It's just, it doesn't really do anything for me, you know? And I, and I don't feel like we learned anything, you know, for the major story. We didn't really learn a whole lot about any of the characters. 
it was literally point A to point B to point C, credits roll, you know? So that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same wavelength. And maybe if I was going to say that we did learn something about one of the characters, it was that we learned some things about Satine, but they didn't feel like new things. They felt like contradictory things. So maybe it's just that the point is that she's complex. She's a complex character and she's prone to contradictions, maybe just a little bit, just like a regular person. And so I'm still a Satine fan. I want to make it clear after this episode, I'm still a Satine fan. Me too. But this episode, you know, like you say, it was just lacking in subtlety. It was quite heavy handed. There was a lot of things that made me scratch my head. We got a grand total of zero spinning kicks from Padme, which is always something of a letdown for me after I got spoiled by Bombad Jedi. But on the plus side, I'm always happy to see Mandalore. We did get to see Luke and Leia's mom blasting fools in the warehouse, and I, even though it kind of felt like, apart from that, Padme was kind of tacked on, I did enjoy her just galpelling around with Satine, you know, the, the fact that they have each other's back. But I have corruption sitting at five drops of Slavin out of ten, and that's mission accomplished for season three, episode five, Corruption. So, Robbie, won't you please let the troops out there know what are our communications channels? Sure. We are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B U C H O A N D R O B B Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 46th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. It's season three, episode six, The Academy. And until then, this is your old buddy Bucho, alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you.